The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus prayed, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I, not, I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth, the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I was pretty sure where I was going with my sermon when I walked into the, 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 the um, Supercuts earlier this week. And uh, y'all, if y'all have been here recently, you know my hair was getting a little bit out of control. And so... The stylist is, you know, what kind of haircut would you like? Well, you know, I want a business cut. I need to kind of be somewhat professional, but I don't want it too short because, you know, I still like to have my, my, free, my free spirit. And she's kind of starts messing with me. She's like, what, you want a mullet? <laughs> and I, I tell you this because I was really close to saying yes. <laughs> Because I wanted to know what would happen if I stood here before you with party in the back, business in front, and then when I turn, you'd know exactly what's going on. But the chances are, the chances are you would have, you would have kind of, you kind of know me, we've been together for four months, 
Some of us have shared meals together. You have, most of y'all have met my family. You will get to know my family in the next few months when they get here. You probably would have been genuinely curious. <laughs> and you would have put up with me. But can you imagine if you didn't know me? What would be the first thoughts? You'd probably be pretty sure about who I was or some of the things that I believed. You would, you'd have this certainty almost about my story as opposed to being curious. You have to bear with me how in the world mullets is going to come back to the gospel. Uh, I'm struck with, I've been thinking, I've been thinking about Brian Stevenson, who was one of the people that St. Stephen's brought in for, um, for the speaker series a few years ago. And Brian uh, started the Equal Justice Initiative in Alabama, and his book, Just Mercy, is this really powerful tale for many reasons. And most people, the, the, the big part of the story is following Walter McMillan, who is falsely arrested and imprisoned on death row. And that's, and, and that's heart-wrenching in many, many ways, because you hear this guy that no evidence is, is meshed up. But what I find more interesting in Stevenson's story is the story of all these different people who are on death row for committing the crime that they've been charged with. The difference is he starts to unpack the stories and he's curious and he explores a little bit about what it is that drives these people and all of a sudden it humanizes them and you begin to kind of understand the breadth of events and experiences that drive these people to take, you know, to, to, to the actions that have led them to where they are. And when you begin to know the story, when you begin to see the bigger picture, it becomes incredibly more complicated. Because everybody has a story, and everybody has all these things behind it that make them what they are. And the reality is, is that our own kind of understanding experience can't capture the full breadth uh, of what is taking place. Now, in our scriptures today, we have in 1 John, we have testimony mentioned six times. And testimony is one of those charged religious words. And whenever I hear the word testimony or testifying, what it makes me think of is someone that is so certain about what God has done in their life, that is so certain about what they believe, certain about what God has done, that there's no room for something larger than that picture. You know, we have that little text that says God's testimony is bigger than the human testimony. <laughs> and in John's Gospel, we constantly hear about truth with a capital T, that God's truth, which we're led to believe is much bigger than human truth. In Hebrew, the word for truth, um, amet, Aleph and the Mem and the, and the Tov are the first letter, the middle letter, and the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The, the word literally is more than what we can imagine. It captures everything. And so it is bigger than our limited understanding of a human truth. Truth is everything. The Chinese, they, they use in, in Mandarin symbols to, to, to make up their words. The word for truth is the number 10 on top of eyes that rest on a table. 
ten eyes on a table. Truth is bigger than one person's perspective. Truth embodies much more. I've been thinking, and, and, and the reason, I think that, that what we're all looking for is ways of growing in our faith, of what it means to be faithful. That's why we're here, is to be faithful and to live into God's call for each of us. The Yale uh, theologian Hans Frey coined a term called a generous orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is our belief, our, our absolute belief in, in God and what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. The fact that we know that we experience God when we gather here and that we're confident in those truths. But generous is being open and flexible. It's being open to say that our understanding may not capture everything. And so, when we think of testimony, when we think of what it means to be faithful, there's a risk, I think, in being certain. In being certain that we have it figured out the way that it really is. And so I think that our test our text invites us to say that being faithful is to say that God's truth may be bigger than our human understanding. And maybe to be faithful is not to be certain, but it's to be curious. It's to be curious about someone else's story. It's to be curious about what God is up to. It's to be curious to know that our perceptions and understandings of the world may not capture and embody all that God is doing. My hope it is this we grow as a community, that we live with that holy curiosity that seeks to find something that is greater than what we can understand, that challenges and unsettles us from time to time, but allows us to have a more inclusive vision for the community of God. And may we see that as an act of faithfulness. Amen.